You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Lulu Lekalekalele and I'm a flight attendant for a major airline. I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about a Russian, a French guy, a sports hero, a blackout, a Cape Crusader, Ambien, and the Toothless. Let's get on with the show. You can't, but wait, okay, so you're a Russian speaker. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you were talking about another Russian speaker? So another Russian speaker. Well, you're petite. Has, I have um, the Russian accent. She has a little bit thicker Russian accent. Yeah. Just recently arrived to the United States. Um, so she was at the boarding door. You said she's like a big girl. She's a big girl. She's a lot bigger and um, kind imposing. of imposing. Yes, but very very um, thick Russian accent so she's standing by the boarding door and greeting people and this is her greeting welcome on the board (laughs) welcome on the board welcome on the board welcome on the board (laughs) so the whole crew is cracking up so someone comes up to me and said well someone has to tell her that and I'm thinking okay well she's a lot bigger than I am and she doesn't take criticism well I'm just going to let her go let her do it yeah let her do it welcome on the board but then you said you saw her later later and she um yeah so anyway the story was she uh didn't her test, Russian test, she only um, scored as intermediate Russian speaker. Which Even is though she's from there. She's, and she's obviously fluent, but somehow on the test she didn't score well. <laughs> so response was, so what, now I don't speak good English and now I don't speak good Russian either. <laughs> I 
some stories from Laos because I couldn't put them all in one episode. So I was in this minibus. You know, they have them all over the world. Sometimes they're called Collectivo. Sometimes they're called a rice rocket. You know, it's just a minibus and it goes from town to town. It's kind of like the main public transportation. It's, you know, how the backpackers get around. But unless you hire a car and driver or you have a rental car, it's really the only way to get around. So it's, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I was wondering, you know, I had mentioned in the last episode, I didn't have any of my hair products. So I've got this giant blonde afro. And um, it's mainly 20 something backpackers, you know, in the bus. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, huh, I wonder if it's cool that I'm here with the backpackers or if it's sad that I'm here with the backpackers. I don't know. Because <laughs> there was a lady, um, there was a lady at my hotel that I was leaving. And uh, she said, oh, we had taken a boat upriver. And I told her the town I was going to. And uh, she goes, I don't think you're going to want to stay in that town. There's like nothing but backpackers there and, you know, nothing but like $8 a night hotels. And I don't think you're going to, there's, I don't think you're going to like it. But, you know, I like to get I don't like to be so pampered. I don't like to be sheltered. I like to get places. But then I also don't want like a disgusting room, you know. So, so, <laughs> so I'm, I, I don't know if it's cool that I'm hip with the backpackers. They all seem to accept me, you know. Um, or if it's weird. I don't know. So anyway, I'm sitting next to this 20, I don't know. He could have been as old as 28 year old French guy. Cute, you know. And, um. We talked a little bit. There's a little bit of a language barrier. And at one point, he was sleeping, and he was, like, sleeping on my shoulder. And I was like, okay. You know, and so then I went to sleep. It's, like, weird sleeping with a stranger on a bus. (laughs) You know, I also wasn't going to, like, push him off me. He was nice enough. Um, And then later on, when he woke up, and I would woke up, and we were talking, and he was saying, I'm going to rent a motorbike, and I'm just going to drive, you know, around Laos. I don't know where I'm going. I'll just stop where I am. And he was like you should come with me. Uh, Just the two of us on a motorbike. And, you know, it's funny because my head, I'm thinking, well, that does sound like fun. You know, that certainly sounds adventurous. You know, Uh, he's, you know, a kid. You know, I don't know. Um, uh, You know, you don't know who could be dangerous, but I really didn't think so. But I also mainly I was thinking, I got my suitcase and, you know, where am I going to put my suitcase on a motorbike? (laughs) But I also thought it'd be a great story. Yeah, you know, I was just on a bus and there was a French guy and he invited me to go on a motorbike and we just took off into, you know, the backwoods of Laos. You know, it sounds romantic, adventurous, but, you know, I guess I'm not that, uh, I'm not that free spirit. Spirit. <laughs> I was like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. You know, so I get to this town and um I already had in my head, okay, that I'm not going to be able to find a nice hotel, right? Okay, so lower your expectations. And there's all these people trying to, you know, um, show me their hotels. And I get to this one, and, um, oh, it's just gross. And I was like, oh, no. And then I'm I'm carrying my bag. I have my same bags that I have. So I have my rollerboard and my carry-on. Same thing I take on a 24-hour Europe trip. But, you know, that's more than what the backpackers have. They're more mobile uh, because I have wheels. And there was this wasn't a place you could wheel stuff. So, uh, you know, and everybody's trying to get my attention. So this other guy goes, I show you, I show you, I show you bungalow. And it's terrible. I mean, uh, it was hot. There's no air conditioning or fan, and it, it, it looks sad. But I was thinking, well, this is what the lady was telling me, that there wasn't any place. It's $8 a night. And I'm like, fine, I'll take it. $8. Done. 
Um, but then I was thinking to myself, well, I'll just leave my bags here. And then I have the freedom to go look around. And then maybe I can find something. There's usually a range of accommodations. You know, I'll find something else. Sure. So, uh, Sure enough, I leave my bags and I go and I went to a few places and I found this place called Ping Ping and um, it was $30 a night and it was nice and I had a balcony and a view and I went back to the other place and I'm like, I'm leaving. I didn't want to insult them and they're like, "Uh, but you're still going to pay? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, cool. And I'm like, cool. See ya. (laughs) So I guess, you know, uh, I'm not exactly um, a total free spirit. also, I didn't know what I thought about that guy. You know, like, I, I'm like, okay, I, you know, I'm not just taking off on a motorbike with someone I just met on a bus. So I'm not totally free-spirited. And I guess I'm not totally down like that hotel room, the first one, $8. I was trying to tell myself I could do it. I could stay in here. You know, there's a bed. Um, I couldn't lock the door. Uh, uh, there was no way to lock the door. Like when I was inside and it was hot. And I was thinking, I'm not going to feel comfortable if I can't lock the door um, you know, I might be able to sleep. <laughs> you know, you have to have a line. <laughs> There's a certain expectation. <laughs> and I guess mine is slightly higher than it used to be. I need a lock and uh, I can't just take off on a motorbike with a young French guy. Just can't. There was a flight there attendant. Was, there was a flight attendant who was a former... University of Kentucky basketball cheerleader. Okay. Now, for those people who know what Kentucky basketball is, it's huge. But if you're a cheerleader for the basketball team, I mean, that's right. But you, but also, there's certain kind of status. It makes you you have to be absolutely knocked down, gorgeous to them. Anyway, beautiful. And so, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, you just yes, boom, fall out. <laughs> when you see them, yeah, just go straight back. You're out. But this girl on my flight, former Kentucky cheerleader, uh, on a three-day trip, one of the last legs on the three-day trip from Dallas, Fort Worth, Mickey Mantle was on my flight. Now, Mickey Mantle was drinking, at the time, he was drinking scotch and milk. Yeah, I don't know if y'all know what Mickey was going on. What happened? It eventually happened to Mickey Mantle. He was, he was had he was looking for a liver transplant. They would ended up not getting one. But it is he like my stomach hurts. But I've got to have. He's drinking scotch. He said if a milk will help coat my stomach while well, I'm drinking scotch, so I'm making scotch so, and milk. So, but if they were mixed together? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, we were having the best time. We got to be the we got to be best friends. This girl was on the other side of the cart, double aisle, just like this, two aisles. She was on, well, I was trying to impress her. Mickey Mallon and I got to be such good friends, okay? In, the, in one flight. Yeah, and he said, hey, and I said, Mick, and I didn't really call him Mick, but Mr. Mantle. I almost well claimed this close to calling him Mick. But Mr. Mantle, is there any possible way I could get an autograph from you? He said, oh. So anyway, and he had a few to drink. So he, he, he said, I'll be, be glad to. Anyway, so he goes up, up, up above his seat, gets, gets a shoot picture of him. Mickey Mantle signs it. So anyway, we're up in the front galley, 
who's up there with me. One of the best looking girls I've ever seen in my life, you know. How did you get that picture? Well, Mickey and I are like this, best <laughs> friends. You know, so I said, I'll get you one, I'll get you one. I said, go ahead and take this one, okay? Thanks, you know. I said, yeah, you go ahead and take that. We will, you know, you know, it's no big deal or whatever. I would have never given, I wouldn't have given it to my mom, <laughs> you know. A picture, autographed picture of Mickey Mantle. But you gave it to the I gave it to her. It wasn't three months later, Mickey Mantle dies. Honest to gosh. Three, three or four months later, he's gone. Never talked to the girl since. Never, I thought I was. He didn't get a picture. Never got the picture back. Never got another picture. By the time I went back there to the, at the end of the uh, flight, passed he was out. passed out. <laughs> guys, never get it. Guys are so dumb. <laughs> uh, I was saying earlier that I was taking these mini buses and it was mainly backpackers. And uh, now I'm going back on the bus with the backpackers. And, you know, I'm having a good time chatting with people. You know, um, there's a lot of interesting people. You know, um, when you're on the road and you're, it's just mainly like people from Europe, they're young people. It's just. Uh, couples, people by themselves. It's just fun talking. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. So uh, we had had like a three-hour bus ride. And then after we got off the bus, then we were taking a tuk-tuk back into town in Luang Prabang. And um, uh, I had already made a hotel reservation. And everything is so relative, you know, because they're backpackers. You know, they could be traveling for a long time. You know, uh, I was just there for two weeks. And, you know, I'm not 22. And, um, it's so relative because uh, if you look at how much a hotel room costs in the United States or Europe, you know, it's cheap in Laos. And uh, like, so I had made a reservation at the Aspara. I mean, it's beautiful. Oh, my room was so nice. And it was like $57 a night, including breakfast. Uh, it might have been 67, 57 or 67. I mean, you try to find a hotel room in the United States for $67 a night, a nice hotel. So, um, you know, it, it, there's more expensive hotels, a lot more expensive. There's really expensive hotels, but this is, you know, um, a nice hotel. It's like three star. So now I'm with the backpackers and we're in the tuk-tuk and a lot of them don't have reservations. And they're saying, um, you know, because we'd all been friendly and they're like, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And one's staying in a hostel, you know, um, and uh, then they're asking me, so where are you staying? And I'm like, oh, Asfara. And they're like, what? Like, Asfara. And they're like, where? Like, Aspara, and they're like, oh, uh, how much is that? Uh, $57. What? $57. It's like you're embarrassed because it's like you're saying, oh, I'm staying at the Taj Mahal and it's a million dollars a night. Because, <laughs> you know, they want a place for $5 and here I'm spending 57 or 67 And, you know, that is a big difference, but I don't have to spend, I don't have to spend stay at a gross place and I don't have I don't have to share a room with strangers <laughs> it's just it's amazing how relative things are that I'm feeling guilty uh for staying at a place that um you know is nice 
So I was, this is another Laos story. So I was coming home. I'd gone from Seoul to Seattle, and I wasn't expecting to go there. I just didn't get on other flights. And I uh, didn't have a boarding pass yet because I had made a listing, and then you have to go to the kiosk to print it. And I'm in regular uh, security, you know, TSA. And uh, sometimes there's a crew line. There wasn't a crew line. I'm in my regular clothes. You know, I'm, I have six flights on. At six flights that I was going on, I had my, I think I've talked about it in a previous episode, I have this shirt that has a cape on it, and I like my cape, and I have blue suede shoes on. <laughs> and um, granted, I'm also a little tired, but I'm thinking, oh, he's asking everyone, let me see your boarding pass, let me see your boarding pass, let me see your boarding pass, boarding pass, please, boarding pass. And I'm thinking, I don't have a boarding pass. So I go up to him nicely, and I say, hi, uh, I'm a crew member. I don't have a boarding pass yet. Uh, I Maybe I can show you my confirmation number. I have to go to the kiosk to print it. And he says, uh, he looks me up and down, and he says in a condescending voice, are you in your uniform? And of course, you have to be nice. I can't say, no, I'm not in my uniform. I have a cape on and blue suede shoes. Does this look like I have my uniform on, man? <laughs> but instead, I said nicely, um, no. <laughs> and then he said I could go. Uh, it, it, but I wanted to say, you know, you're asking me, do you have your uniform on? And I'm like thinking, yeah, when was the last time you saw a crew member in a cape? And blue suede shoes, you know, like the masked crew member, super crew member, super crew member. <laughs> Welcome on the board. Welcome on the board. Welcome on the board. Welcome on the board. <laughs> this is kind of interesting. I guess I'm officially a influencer. That wasn't even a word. And I don't know if everybody gets to be an influencer. I don't know. I got an email from somebody at Amazon who said I had enough Twitter followers that I can qualify for my own Amazon page. And, you know, I thought this was kind of fun. So I have my own Amazon page where I can list tra uh, travel products and products in general that I like. And uh, if you want to see my new Amazon page, it's at Amazon.com slash shop slash skybetty that was amazon.com slash shop slash skybetty and i have a page of it on my website bettyinthesky.com and the reason why this was kind of fun is i put products in there that i have found over the years to work really well for traveling so like there's this new actually i haven't got this one yet but i'm looking forward to getting one they have these new travel jackets that have great they have a lot of pockets and things you know one for your passport one for they have a bunch of pockets, but that's not that unusual. But this travel jacket has a built-in blow-up neck pillow and built-in eye shades and built-in gloves. <laughs> I mean, they're getting ingenious with these products. I also have this uh, travel blanket that I saw a passenger using, and it, it folds down into the to size less than the size of a... Um, cigarette pack and it really works and I have all my bug paraphernalia you know things that, to repel mosquitoes and some food products and creams that I've found fun and uh, work well or you know on my travels and I put comments on every product and of course I have my books on there um, Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, uh, Tar and the Tar Maker. One of the things that's kind of um, uh, sad is that when you put in the Tar Maker on Amazon, it auto-corrects to toilet paper. 
<laughs> that that's not optimal. <laughs> I did get a nice review uh, for my fiction by Troy. He said, uh, this is travel science fiction at its best. That's a new term, I think, travel science fiction. He said, I love this story. I love how the story weaves in travel and the supernatural. She's a gifted storyteller. Oh, that's so nice, Troy. So uh, once again, the link is amazon.com slash shop slash SkyBetty, or it'll be on all of my website, and I'm going to put it on Amstagram, Amstagram, Instagram, and Facebook, that kind of stuff. And um, the audiobook is not out yet, I'm sorry to say, for the tar maker. Uh, I got sidetracked with some family problems. Uh, I don't know, maybe in the next episode, I'll talk a little bit more about it. I haven't decided. I don't know if I want to talk about it on the podcast, but uh, I can tell you a little bit. Uh, It has to do with my long lost brother. Um, I don't think we've seen him in 30 years. Uh, He's an interesting fellow. Uh, He calls me Lulu Lucka Lucka Lele, Lou for short. He called my sister Whalebone Phony Wretched Corset. I think I liked my name. Uh, my name's better, Lulu Luckalakalele, instead of Whalebone Phony Wretched Corset. Um, yeah, so uh, he got to, he lives in Alaska, and he got there from Florida, and he got there on a bicycle because he doesn't drive. And uh, I mean, not a motorbike, a bicycle, and he uh, rode part of the way naked. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell he's a he's a bit of a character. So I might uh I haven't decided. I'll let you know if I'm going to go into it, but I did have uh I've run into some uh time-consuming family issues. But anyway, uh you can always go to my regular website bayinthesky.com, click on any of the Amazon links, shop from there. It doesn't cost any more and it supports the show. And thank you so much. Okay, so we have this problem on the plane with uh, substances. Ambien especially. Ambien and liquor are a very bad conversation. I mean, a very bad combination. Yes. Coming back from Dubai, we always have a lot of contractors that have come, that have been gone for six weeks in a dry area. They come to Dubai and have to wait about four or five hours for their connecting flight back to the States. So where do you think they head? Straight to the bar. Yeah, so they get... They've been deprived and they're ready to make up for lost time. So they go to the bar, then they get ready to board. They get on and they board and they're a little tipsy, but they're fine because we would have not let them on had they had too much. So we do the beverage service. One gentleman has two drinks and then we turn out the, after dinner, turn out the lights, everybody's sound asleep. Quiet as can be. All of a sudden, in business class, coming from the back of the airplane, comes a gentleman, butt naked. Sir, sir, where's your seat? They're looking for the bathroom. Goes over to the business class bathroom on the right side next to 10C. Bends over, trying to get the door open with his butt in the face of passenger 10C. Can't get the door open. We're like, sir, sir, where are your clothes? So some, they're running around the airplane because the airplane is totally full. His seat is the last seat in the very back of coach. So they bring his clothes up, they hand him his clothes, they say, sir, go in and get yeah. changed. He comes out, he has his shirt on, nothing on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Get back in there and put your clothes on. Still totally disoriented, hasn't a clue what you're talking about. 
finally get him dressed. We walk him back to his seat. He passes. Oh, muscle talk. Yeah. <laughs> Oopsie. Whoops. Whoopsie. Whoopsie. He, he passes out. We don't hear a word from him the rest of the night. So come breakfast time, the B coordinator goes over to him and says, "How are you feeling this morning?" He's like, "Fine." And he's a good old boy with a real southern accent and kind of shy. And she said, do you know what happened last night? And his eyes got big as saucers and said, no, ma'am, I don't. And after she told him the story, his face got redder and redder and redder. And he apologized over and over again. I tend to get caught up in events, <laughs> you know, earthquakes, hurricanes, that kind of stuff. So I'm commuting to work. It's uh, quiet. I uh, actually got a seat. That's always a nice day. And um, I was leaving early, you know, make sure I get on my flights and everything. We land in Atlanta and uh, the pilot says, good news is we are landed here in Atlanta. The bad news is there's a power outage at the airport and uh, there's no way to move jetways uh everything is pitch black in the airport and uh we're just going to be sitting out here on the tarmac hoping the power will come back on so three something hours later still on the tarmac and they said uh, good news because we're on an md88 we have air stairs they're going to let us pull up to the gate put down the air stairs and walk out on the tarmac, go up the steps uh, on the jetway, and then into the dark airport. And actually, we were lucky because I talked to people, shoot, they come in from Rome, you know, 11-hour flight, and then we're on the tarmac for eight hours, uh, just waiting to at the airport, just not being able to get in. You know, it's so frustrating. But this was pandemonium. Uh, I've been flying a long time, and I've never seen an airport like that airport. So at this point, the airport has been, when I finally get in the airport, it's been without power maybe five hours, six hours. And uh, let me tell you, people don't take very long to turn, to turn bad. So like if there's ever a grid down for weeks, I don't even know what will happen to civilization. <laughs> Because in five hours, uh, there was no electricity and people at the shops went home. Uh, they the, like electric gates that go down like at night. They couldn't bring them down. So the stores and restaurants were kind of just open and people started stealing stuff. And then uh, like the police said, uh, everybody just go out, leave the airport now. So now you have tens of thousands of people exiting an airport with nowhere to go. No plans, no hotels, uh, just everybody leaving. And here I am. Uh, I have to go to work. And, uh, you know, the airline is a big thing if you show up for work. You know, you have to show up. So <laughs> I've got tens of thousands of people leaving the airport, and I'm trying to get in the airport. I mean, I'm in the airport, but now I just have to get to the international concourse, we have like the geo-tracking where we sign in. So you have to be in the concourse, in the lounge to sign in. So I have to get to the international e-concourse lounge. And I'm looking at these 
I'm assuming most of you have been in the Atlanta airport, but they're giant, I'm talking giant escalators, which of course are not working and the train's not working and the elevators aren't working. So you have tens of thousands of people coming up the escalators with their bags and people, some people are infirm. You know, it's, it's hard to walk up those escalators without carrying heavy things. You know, people with kids and here I'm trying to get down and it's like nearly impossible. Some guys said, this is the first episode of The Walking Dead, which I thought was hilarious considering it's filmed in Atlanta. And it did feel like that. People were like, somebody was like, where are all the police? And I'm thinking, well, how many police are at the airport when you have tens of thousands of people leaving? Um, it was crazy. Okay, so now I finally managed to get down the giant escalator with my bags. And now I've got to walk a bunch of concourses. That's fine. Take off my heels. And uh, I get out. I, ha- I got out my little tiny, a passenger gave it to me. And I like it because I can put it in my apron uh, when, the, when the airplane's dark. It's a little tiny LED flashlight, like the size of a quarter. <laughs> Not exactly, you know, for the end of times uh, flashlight. <laughs> I have another flashlight, a bigger flashlight in my suitcase. But I'm in a little hurry at the moment because it's time for me to sign in and I'm going to be late. And I know there's no way I'm going to get anybody on the phone because there's got to be thousands and thousands of people trying to get scheduling on the phone. So I'm just going to try to get there, sign in, and then I'll figure out the rest of it from there. So like the A concourse and the B concourse, there were some auxiliary lights. And then I get to the C concourse, pitch black. Here I am walking in my uniform, little teeny, 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 tiny flashlight. And a guy, I don't know who he was, says to me, you can't go any further. There's a, there was a fire. There's toxic fumes. It's impassable. You got to turn around. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I turn around, start walking. And I'm thinking, okay, well, hmm, this is different. I see some other flight attendants. And I'm like, where are you guys going? What are you going to do? Uh, and they said, we're going to go to the A concourse lounge. So we have two lounges uh, in Atlanta. So I'm like, all right. I'll do that. So I get there and uh, you got to go up those giant escalators again with your bag and then down the stair. <laughs> it was a lot of up and down big steps with bags, but you know, that's all right. Get to the lounge and it's pandemonium down there. It's dark and there's like a giant line for one landline that has scheduling uh, online. So I get in line, finally get up there and say, hey, I'm supposed to go to London and get this, get this people. <laughs> the irony of this, I felt like I had snuck something like I had gotten away with something because my trip I was supposed to be going on I was supposed to deadhead to London deadhead to London that means I was going to be a passenger I had already on the plane when I was sitting on the tarmac checked in and I had my seat a first class seat to London and I was going to get paid I already planned I was going to have a glass of wine I had planned what movies I was going to watch I thought I was like sitting pretty in my first class seat to London I never, ever get to do that, ever. So uh, I was excited. and uh, But now I'm in the dark lounge at an airport that's pandemonium. It's like the exact opposite of sitting in first class going to London. So uh, I get the scheduling on the speakerphone, and I said, should we just leave? What should we do? And she said, absolutely not. Just stay there. I'm thinking, in the dark airport, nobody's going anywhere. Uh, it seemed like a lost cause at that point. So... Uh, we, I stayed there for hours talking to certain people. One guy said, I think we should just, you know, get an Uber and 
get because there aren't going to be any hotels near the airport. He's like, go downtown. And the last time I was in a computer glitch, uh, I I realized if you go downtown, there's enough hotel rooms. So that if we didn't know if Marta would be working because you know you'd have to use the electric kiosks. Uh, but we thought if we get out, and then someone said, yeah, but if you get out, you can't get back in. Because uh, TSA has left a long time ago. There's no TSA. That's why I was also thinking, how could I possibly be going to London because there aren't going to be any passengers because they were all told to leave? Okay, so <laughs> it seemed futile and unorganized, but that's all right. I mean, people were doing their best. This was never happened before. So uh, I'm talking to some other people and they're like, we should just leave because, you know, eventually we're just going to be here till like midnight. And then what happens is you go on call. Uh, it's going to be mandatory availability, like mandatory reserve, because they're going to need so many people uh, because of all the backup. So they're like, they're going to call you at three o'clock in the morning. So if we wait here till till midnight, then it'll just, you know, it'll take that long to get a hotel. And then, you know, then next thing you know, you're going to have to be back to the airport. And I was thinking, you know, this sounds like a good plan. I think I'm just leaving. I was going to leave. And uh, you couldn't, we, there were so many problems. You couldn't get on the computer, all the routers were down because the electricity's down and you couldn't get cell service. So I would go out where the buses were, um, you know, and I could get a little cell service. And I saw that my flight to London was canceled. And I thought, all right, well, I don't care what the lady on the speakerphone said. If my flight's canceled, I'm going to get downtown and get pay for my own hotel room. And I was talking to some other flight attendants and another girl was like, well, I think that's a good idea, but I don't want to go by myself. And I'm like, okay, we'll go together. So we get out and then there's like hundreds of people waiting in line in the dark airport for this, I, I don't maybe thousands of people waiting for shuttles, Ubers, taxis. Talked to someone, they said it was hours to get an Uber. So, oh my gosh. And then we had to go back up the escalator again to get out. And there's people that carrying like as a wheelchair people there was no way for them so like people were carrying can you imagine going up those escalators carrying somebody and i saw wheelchair attendants putting the wheel they needed to get them upstairs they were putting the wheelchairs over their heads and carrying up those giant escalators oh my goodness so uh we get out there and Marta's working. Not only is it working, it's free because they can't charge with the kiosk. And they said, just get in it and go. And so me and this girl, I've never seen her before. Uh, we're feeling pretty good because, you know, now we're outside the airport. We could use our, our phones. We could get on the Internet. This way we could we could make a reservation. And I had heard from a flight attendant that the Marriott Marquis downtown had rooms for $99. And that seemed like a bargain um, for, you know, a catastrophe. And you can get a room. So that was where we were going. Marriott Marquis. So, uh. I'm feeling pretty good now. We're out of the airport. There's lights on and uh, we're on a train and my phone rings and I get an automated voice says, there's a change to your rotation. You will now fly. You will fly. Your flight is going. And I'm thinking my flight is going. Shoot. And uh, I said, I say, girl, I got to go. They say I'm going. And, you know, I still get my first class seat. Watch my movie. <laughs> even though it seemed like it was an impossibility. But I need to go back in there if they're saying I have to work, because otherwise I'm going to get in trouble. So I said, I got to go back in. And she's like, you're what? I said, I got to go back in. She goes, you're leaving me? Her face was like, (laughs) and I had no choice. I left the poor girl. I ended up misdirecting some people in this. I didn't mean to. I had good intentions the whole way, but uh, they were just extenuating extenuating circumstances. So... (laughs) I get back in the airport, and I want to try to get in the airport, and TSA is gone. It's dark. There's no way to get in the airport. Uh, There were some funny things along the way. Somebody was singing. I'll be home 
the dead airport, of the no TSA, how there's no way to get in the airport, and I think if, the, if I'm going to get in trouble, I'll just show them, hey, there's no way for me to get in the airport. How am I supposed to get to work if you can't get in? So I see three pilots standing around the TSA area where you would get into the airport, and um, three of them are on their phones, and uh, I'm trying to talk to them even on their phones, and they're like, we're trying to get hotel rooms. You know, nothing's going tonight, and uh, I've been on the phone trying to get a hold of scheduling for an hour. The other guy said, I've been on the phone for an hour trying to get a hold of crew accommodations. And I'm on the other one was on the phone with crew tracking. Anyway, nobody could get through. There's just too many people calling. So I said, hey, guys, you know, you're going to be here forever. Um, Marta's free. I heard there's rooms down at the Marriott Marquis. Let's get on Marta. And uh, when we get on Marta, we'll be able to use our internet. So then we can try to make a reservation. And they were like, Okay, so I herded up the three pilots, and I felt better having three pilots with me going downtown. So we get on Marta, and the one guy said, well, I have, uh, I'm a Marriott Gold or whatever. I I have their phone number here. I'm just going to call them. He calls them. Marriott Marquis is now full. So that poor girl, I don't know. I might not ever see her again, but I hope she found another room somewhere else. But that uh, Marriott person said, well, we have another Marriott um, a couple blocks from there, and it has room. So he makes rooms reservation for all four of us. So I'm feeling pretty good. There's a family, two parents and two kids, no bags. Nobody could get their bags. Nobody had anything. At least I had my bags. So he's looking at the, at the MARTA. That's the, you know, underground service, like the tube Metro. It's just called MARTA because some people are like, what's MARTA? They don't even know what it is. And so he's looking at it. He's like, we don't have a reservation. We don't know where we're going. Where should we get off? And I said, oh, well, we just found a hotel. It has um, rooms. And the pilot goes, here's the number. You can call him. This guy calls him. And he's like, great. And I said, yeah, you can. He's like, well, where is it? And I'm like, you could just follow us. And he was like, oh, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we get out. We Everything goes fine. We get out in Atlanta, get outside. Uh, we're trying to figure out where we are. I'm looking at Google on my phone, trying to figure out where the hotel is. That family took off. We never saw that family again. I mean, it's pretty easy to follow and keep track of three pilots and a flight attendant in uniform, but I don't know where they went. We never saw them again. So, <laughs> and, and there were no, anyway, I misled that other girl and his family, but I was trying to help in both instances. So now, we get there, the room's nice, everything's fine. I get my th- call at three o'clock in the morning that I knew I was going to get. You know, that was that was part of the deal. And I'm getting flown into my off days and I'm getting a tour, you know, multiple flights a day all over the United States, not London in first class, the opposite of London in first class, little planes, full flights. Um, but, you know, I'm not that surprised at that. But anyway, so I get on back on Marta in the morning and everybody on the trains talking about that, uh, you know, oh my gosh, the stuff last night. Oh my gosh, what happened to you? One guy was saying, sometimes you can be overprepared. He said, oh, I'm taking Amtrak to Chicago. I'm like, how long is that going to take you? <laughs> like, don't you want to at least go to the airport to see if you can't get on a flight? Because he's like, no, I've had it with that. So anyway, there's this Asian lady and her kids and she's on her phone and she's like, my flight's canceled. Is it because of the fog? There was like a little bit of fog. And I'm like, no, it's because of the power outage. And she's like, what power outage? 
You know, there were some funny things in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of people not knowing what to do, of thousands, tens of thousands of people leaving the airport. Some girl said to me, because I had a uniform on, she goes, do you think I could charge my phone in that outlet? She's pointing to an outlet in the airport, in the dark airport, with all the chaos is because we don't have power. She's like, can I charge my phone? I'm like, no, no, can't charge a phone. No. Okay, years ago we were going to Frankfurt on the TriStar and we were pretty empty and there was a lady laying on the last row of seats just all sprawled out and she had a few drinks, too many, and she fell asleep. All of a sudden me and my friend back there, sitting back there, heard this big thump. (laughs) She had fallen off her seat. (laughs) Then she came into the galley a little bit dishuffled and had no teeth in her mouth and said to us, you guys need to help me, I've lost my teeth. So she went I lost my teeth. So she went into the bathroom and my friend and I who had a laugh attack because we did find her teeth underneath another passenger's arm who was wiggling his arm also sleeping. So we took a cup and we took I'm trying to think tongs or something to try to scoop him into the cup. Because you don't want to touch him. Hoping that the guy wouldn't wake up because he'd be thinking we were nuts. So we had him in the cup and we put him on the galley counter and we were going to put a little bit of water on it. Or to clean it. And in that moment she comes out of the bathroom and she says, oh good, you found my teeth and put them right back in. <laughs> oh, found my teeth. <laughs> and we were like, ma'am, ma'am. My friend was laughing so hard he had to use his inhaler. <laughs> and I'm going, ma'am, ma'am, hold on. And she's already got him in her mouth. That's our in-flight dentist story. (laughs) Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. Welcome on the board. Welcome on the board. Welcome on the board.